This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. 20 years ago today, the world awakened to the news that Diana, Princess of Wales, was dead at the age of 36. The princess died in the early hours of August 31st, 1997, after her Mercedes, which was being pursued by paparazzi at the time, crashed in a Paris tunnel while traveling at more than 100 kilometers per hour. After two decades, her memory and her legend endures. This year, her sons, Princes William and Harry, spoke publicly about the pain of losing their mother, and there were several new films memorializing her. What are your memories of her, and why is her legacy so strong? The number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744 740, and I am here with Kim Itso, Deputy Editor of Zoomer Magazine. Hi, Kim. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Libby. Thanks for having me. Well, what are your thoughts on Princess Diana, and does it surprise you that after all this time, uh, she's so strong? It doesn't surprise me. I mean, Princess Diana, when she was alive, was a, was a star. Like you, you can even say she was the first reality star before reality stars existed. You know, she was always in the media eye. People were fascinated and obsessed with her, what she wore, how she did her hair. Remember that famous haircut? Oh, I, I, I asked for that haircut quite a few times, I millions, remember. Millions did. And um, she, you know, really, you could see her fashion evolution. So there was that in her lifetime. But also she was, she broke a lot of royal rules at the time of her life. You know, by speaking out that very famous BBC interview about, you you know, there were three of us in this marriage, you know, goes down to this day as one of those defining moments of the monarchy. And upon her death, even though she was a bit of a wild card in life, upon her death, she was quite galvanizing for the British people. Uh, and I think there was an outpouring of grief that had not been a public outpouring of grief that Britain hadn't quite seen on that scale before that quite rocked and shocked the monarchy and the queen. And, you know, there's been films made about oh, this. Oh, that famous film, The Queen, it was a great film with Helen Mirren and, and people were so mad at the queen for for waiting so long to say anything about it and at the time that was her royal protocol you know but diana in i think in diana's death sort of had forced them to modernize and i think her lasting legacy is that you know i think britain's a bit of a different nation now you know and um in this post-brexit era too they're just it's the idea of like not following the rules or being told what to do is a little bit is, is lessened over time. And I think you see with her sons, you know, Prince William and Prince Harry, they're following their mother's footsteps with those charities that are near and dear to her. I mean, she was quite, you know, ahead of her time. Remember her shaking hands and embracing AIDS patients? Yes, I do. You know, that was a shock to so many people at the time. You know, you were told you couldn't, uh, you know, you know, it was so contagious. And people were all afraid. But she proved with her bravery and that she embraced humanity. And I think that is what her children are continuing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, especially in light of by the time she died, she was, of course, divorced. Yes. Uh, one, another big royal taboo. And she was with another man. 
And and uh, Dodi El Fayed, he was Egyptian. Yes, yes, exactly. So she was a rule breaker, and um, it, it's always interesting to fantasize what would have what she would have done if she had lived, you know, and what kind of things how life would be different for her and her family now. But um, yeah, it was it was a tragic death, and I think that also really made people aware of the paparazzi and the danger of media and the rabid tabloid pl- press and how it can actually be harmful to someone. They literally killed her. I mean, she wouldn't have been... I mean, the driver was drunk. drunk. There was no one getting around it. The driver was drunk. So, um, you know, maybe the paparazzi had a role, but, you know, drunk driving kills people. Yes, yes. And and he was driving at a high speed. She wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I mean, there's been many theories that if she had, she would have survived. Um, But I remember that day so well. I remember going to bed that night because, you know, Europe is six hours ahead of us in France and thinking she had just been taken to hospital and thinking, oh, she'll be okay. I remember waking up that morning and then I thought she was dead and had the shock that I felt, you know, that I couldn't believe that she, you know, was suddenly gone because she'd been such a presence for me growing up. I remember staying awake to watch the wedding with Charles and Diana. Yeah, I, re- I remember that, too. And I, I remember, um, you know, on, when, we, when we heard about the accident, I, I can remember exactly where I was and who I was with. And I am not particularly a, a royal watcher. So that I think that's kind of interesting, too. You know, why would I remember that in particular? Uh, yeah, I, I think it just speaks to our fascination with her. I think a lot of women at the time, you know, had been through, you know, broken marriages themselves or single parents. Um, just related to her. She made herself relatable, even though she was a princess. I think that's the key to her being called the people's princess, uh, that people just loved her and what she did and stood for. And I guess also going against the traditions, a lot of British people in particular kind of like that as well. Uh, what about, there There are also this entire raft of conspiracy theories yes, there are. around her death. Uh, which, I don't know, to me is kind of the dark side of memorializing her. What do you make of those? Well, I remember they did actually do an, a formal inquest. So the conspiracy theory was enough that uh, Dodi Fayed's father, who, you know, who owns Harrods, um, you know, didn't he? I think I don't know. He sued the British monarch. He did something, but there was a there was a formal inquiry into that. Yeah, and there was no wrongdoing found. I mean, I think people. Everyone, lots of people love a conspiracy. I mean, we're still talking about JFK too, right? So I personally don't think it was. I think it was a tragic accident, and um, that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you think that her role in the pantheon is increasing now? Because really, it's it's William and Kate's time. And and I remember, um, you know, even the frou frou when she got the engagement ring, because I would have thought. You know that engagement ring. It's 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 a it's a little jinx. The marriage didn't work out very much. I thought the same thing as you. I thought that's a bit fraught, right? That <laughs> it comes with a lot of uh, baggage. That baggage, ring. you bet. You know. Um, so we'll see what happens <laughs> if it is. You know, if it works out, I think Kate and William are going to do just fine. Um, yeah, you know, they have inherited a lot from their mother, but I think you know you can't look at William and Harry without seeing Princess Diana. And remembering them as little kids with them. If you're a certain age, which, you know, all of us, you know, do remember. Um, but, yeah, again, it's all about legacy. I think her lasting legacy is that, is is the boys doing some of the same, exact same work with the landmines. You saw Prince Harry recently. Yes. Um, and, and working with, you know, children's charities. They do a lot of wildlife conservation. And that kind of devotion to the public good, I think, really has come from Diana. Uh, but wildlife and stuff, that could be Charles, too. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I don't know how involved he was in African wildlife before. I don't think he is to this day, but, uh, you know. He he does seem to have a, a quirky ecological 
conscience. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, I mean, saving endangered species, I don't think is quirky. I think okay, that's a no. real strong, that's a serious problem. And I yeah. think the boys are really interested in it. I mean, um, and again, going back to the Invictus Games that are coming to Toronto. Yes. You know, that's a charity, you know, working with uh, wounded soldiers uh, in this, um, you know, I, I don't care. It's not the Olympics, but it's an athletic sport competition. The Invictus Games, for those who don't know what that is, has come to Toronto. And Harry's involved in that. Like, he's at the forefront. They're not afraid to speak out either. I find that interesting, don't you? Uh, yeah. Um, and they, I mean, it was obviously very, very carefully timed. Uh, and and all the stuff leading up to it, because remember even before these documentaries came out and they actually talked about, you know, first Harry said, well, the problems that I had when I was younger were due to losing my mother. Yes, yes. Yes, he talked about mental illness openly. Yeah. And talked about, you know, because we all remember those times with Harry, the, you know, the nude shot in Vegas, you know. Um, the, the Nazi costume. You know, the towel head comment about the Taliban, like all these things. And yeah, he talked about how he wouldn't, he behaved that way. It's a way of, I guess, acting out his grief that he didn't really deal with properly. Uh, and talking about mental illness was a very important step for him. And it really helps, again, going back to the public good, though, it does help a lot of people suffering to think that it's, they can talk. Yeah, um, and uh, I think it's interesting, um, you know, it seems that the Queen may have learned a bunch of lessons from this because uh, I can't imagine that it would have been her natural instinct to have her grandchildren come out and talk about their mental health issues. No, absolutely. And and with approval of the monarchy, I'm going to yeah. say. I mean, when Diana did that famous interview uh, in the BBC, it was against the royal household. You know, yeah. she was told not to do it and she did it. Uh, the interviews that the boys have given, you know, Harry and Williams have given have royal approval. And I think for sure the Queen has learned, learned the hard way upon Diana's death in that terrible time 20 years ago uh, that you can't get on the, the wrong side of public opinion. That even a queen needs to have the public behind her. And I think they've learned that very hard lesson. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, um, you know, we we were back here a couple of weeks ago talking about this, I guess, rumor that she's going to um, leave the throne. Yes. Step, step uh, how does, uh, I mean, do you see that, that basically this big... Um, play on the 20th anniversary, do you see any connection to what's going to be happening next for the royal family? Um, I'm not sure there's a connection. I think there's a bit of a coincidence there. I don't think that, uh, I think they are aging. The queen is going to be, is 91 and, you know, Philip is 96. Um, so that, you know, his desire to retire, I don't think was any way connected to the 20th anniversary. I think it's just, you know, he's older and needs to, wants to step down. Uh, the idea of the queen going into a regency with the Prince Charles becoming the Prince Regent in five years' time. Again, it's a viable, secure way to ensure the monarchy stays stable. Uh, and um, again, um, what other reflections do you have when you see how people are reacting and remembering her and, and uh, all the time devoted on media? Well, I just think she she has a special place in people's hearts still 20 years later. I think, you know, we touched on it earlier. There's the nostalgia of where you were when. The same way another generation will talk about JFK's assassination. People of, you know, my generation remember when where Diana was, when she was killed. Uh, it's a touch point. It also harkens back to, I think, a... There's that nostalgia for her, like I said, her beauty, her role in fashion, um, the glamour, um, 
all of those things are just what we would like to think about. You know, no, you know, we want to remember her and all her do good, and also encourages people to want to do good work as well. And uh, how do you think? Is this a? I I hope this isn't too loaded a question. How does uh, how does Kate stack up against Diana? Well, she is a much more uh, level-headed, um, conservative young woman. I think uh, she has been better prepared for her role than Diana was when she was Lady Diana Spencer. She was thrust into this role without any training, any support. And very young. And very young at 18 and 19. Whereas Diana, obvious, I mean, whereas Kate obviously was, is a grown woman when she married Prince William. And uh, she had a lot of support from him. And it's a true love story there. You know, Charles and Diana was not a true love story. You've got William, who legitimately fell in love with Kate, and, you know, they uh, groomed her to be this role. So she, I think, has embraced it in a way that uh, is much more stable. And uh, finally, Kim, how do you remember Diana? I remember her. My favorite Diana images are actually the Mario Testino Vanity Fair cover images that she did, uh, I think, the year before she died. Uh, I remember her as just as very... My favorite Diana is her as a single as a single mom, the strong woman who um, took care of herself. Okay. We're going to leave it there. Kim Itzo, deputy editor at Zoomer Magazine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.